Um, you know, it's really awesome. The last time I came to South Bay, or actually the first time I was in South Bay, uh, it was in 2007. I was a teen at the teen prom. I don't know if some of you guys remember when all the teens came, and you guys used to rent out the, uh, I guess, the, uh, the theater, and you used to have church there. And I remember we had church, we, we were there, and it was just crazy. We were there, and, you know, it was late at night. We, we stayed up all night at the Brito's house, and uh, we, we came to church. We, were, we had our church clothes on, our, our little teen clothes on, and we were all there. Teen ministry. Uh, team ministry days, and so it's really cool to come back and see a lot of familiar faces. Um, like Brian said, my name is Greg. Um, I'm from Long Beach. Been a part of the Long Beach campus ministry for about six years. Um, you know, I started off at City College, graduated from there, went on to Cal State Dominguez, and graduated from there. And then I got married, which was uh, a very amazing time in my life, and uh, it's still in a very amazing time and very exciting time with my beautiful wife Don, who is here today, and. Um, we now currently lead the, uh, the campus ministry um, in Long Beach. It's about 115 college students that just really want to know and love God, and you guys support them. And there's even some college students here today and, uh, from the Harbor City College Ministry that used to be a part of Long Beach. And, you know, uh, it's a fiery group. You guys can, you guys can applaud. It's okay. Nice morning. Good. You know, we're not used to being up this early. Uh, you know, we have late dates, and then we... Uh, we kind of just wait until 5 o'clock to have church in Long Beach, in a sense. Um, so waking up this morning, I was like, I woke up at 6, and I was like, oh, oh, snaps. You know, like, really up early, and I'm like, okay, all right, got to be there at 10. You know, we got here like 8.30, super early, but, you know, it's really great to be here with you guys. You guys have such an amazing ministry here, a lot of amazing people in this ministry um, that I personally have looked, looked up to and have seen and uh, seen their example, and I wanted to follow that example in many ways, and... You know, we actually have received one of your guys' uh, one of the best from here, I think, I feel like, myself personally, Brian uh, and Karen Plymel. Um, they came down and supported the, uh, the campus ministry. They were uh, the shepherds there, and they've been shepherding the ministry ever since very faithfully, helped keep a lot of people faithful, keep a lot of people strong, and uh, they even disciple me and my wife's marriage, and they help us in our times of need, and, you know, we're always on the phone with them, texting them, and... He's actually, he's like, I really feel like Brian is one of my best friends. Uh, even though the, we have this, this very large age gap, he's like one of my closest friends. And, uh, you know, he's really close to me. I love him, and we hang out, we talk, and I, I just treat him like my buddy. You know, he's really close to me. I love him a lot, and he loves me, and I feel that from him. You know, uh, and, you know, Brian, he asked me to come down, and he asked me to do this lesson, uh, Undeserved Pay, and I was like, really? Like, me? You know, really me? Like, like you know, I felt like, oh, this is awesome, like, you know, really cool, and like, this is awesome, this is cool, I really got picked, and I got chose to preach the word, and, you know, um, and then fear sets in, and you're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen, you know, I'm 23, everybody in the room is older than me, oh my gosh, what am I going to do, you know, my life just starts to go like, ah, you know, um, but I really love this study, I love studying out Matthew 20, you know, it took me back through the time when I was just reading through the Gospels, and uh, I really was just so encouraged by this study, and I wanted to just share it with you guys, just a quick little Bible study on um, this parable here with the, uh, the workers in the vineyard. Okay, and uh, it's, uh, what's it like? It's a part of you guys' um, the four-week series that you guys have going on here in South Bay. And uh, undeserved pay. And how many times have you guys felt like you got undeserved pay? Meaning that you got something that you did not deserve and you, and you definitely got it. You were paid that amount. Okay, so just to give you guys a little bit of background... Uh, actually, I kind of slipped through my slides. I was married. That's a picture of me being married there. 
And then this is a, a handful of campus students uh, from Long Beach. We had a Devo there at Cal State Long Beach, and we have a lot of fun. But um, the undeserved pay. So, you know, for me personally, getting through college was something that was pretty tough. You know, I paid my, my complete way through college, and I needed the money to do that. You know, college is not cheap. Uh, I didn't get any um, scholarships or anything like uh, financial aid or anything of the such. And, and it's kind of tough getting through college. You know, teens, when you guys get into that, that, that realm, and, you know, you need to definitely try to get scholarships, but it's not an easy thing. It's not for the faint of hearts, okay? People drop out of college. They, they do not finish college sometimes. Um, and it was not easy for me. I really felt like it was really tough. Um, but something that I felt like God really gave me was a really cool job, okay? Um, I used to lead a Bible talk at uh, Long Beach City College, and uh, we, we just loved being at Long Beach City College leading Bible talks. And it was amazing because in doing that, um, I got a job at an after-school program, and uh, it was called ISIS. Uh, it was an after-school program, and, and we used to get paid basically like $12 an hour to work with kids, to have fun and hang out with kids, okay? I really felt like I didn't deserve it, but it was awesome. It was great getting the check. I used to be able to put money away and pay off school as I went along, and, you know, it, it was, uh, it, I felt like it was a gift from God, and we're going to be talking a little bit. I'm going to kind of be going back to that, those times of, of being a part of, uh, you know, ISIS and, and working there as well. So um, but let's go ahead and pray and we'll get into the lesson. Amen. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much just for the opportunity to be here together as one body um, under you, Jesus. And we're just so grateful um, to be a part of it, God. We're so grateful to, to be disciples and to be visiting God and to be able to hear your word preached on Sunday without any um, persecution. Um, like like, uh, the, like in Egypt, there's a lot of persecution going on in other places around the world. God, we're just so grateful to be able to be here and speak publicly about you, God. Um, God, I pray you speak boldly and powerfully through me, God, that you move me completely out of the way, that you open up everyone's hearts, that our hearts are definitely soft, and uh, that you allow the word to speak powerfully to us, God. We love you. Thank you so much for your sacrifice and your love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And so before we go to Matthew 20, verse 1 through 16, uh, that's where our main study is going to be about. Um, I want to I actually kind of take a little couple, a couple steps back. All right, uh, there was a, a powerful question that I asked during this, this Bible study, you know, and it's a question that, you know, when working in ISIS, I worked with kindergarten to eighth grade, okay, and uh, from kindergarten to second grade, you got the, your, your young little, little kids that, you know, little small little guys and little girls, uh, they're walking around, and they have one favorite question. Can anyone guess what that question is? Why, right? We all know it. We've asked that question. We get it. Some of us who have kids, we hear it all the time. Why? 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 And it's almost like a trapping question sometimes. They'll keep asking the question until it gets to like the point where it's like, just do what I say. You know, and, and then you're kind of like, why are you snapping at me? It's like, you're kind of stuck, right, with this, with this question. But this is a very good question. The question, why? It's a powerful question. When you're studying the Bible, when you're looking through the scriptures, that's as you're having your quiet times and, and, you're, and you're trying to dig things out and you're trying to go through things over and over again, this question is powerful. It powers you right through a study. It helps you want to go deeper, want to know more. The question, why? And so I asked this question. I was like, okay, so we got, we got the workers in the vineyard. We got this thing going on here. But why? Why here? Why now? Why did Jesus choose to teach this parable to the disciples at this point? And so I asked that question. Now, why did Jesus give this parable? As you know, a parable is a heavenly story set in an earthly context. Everyone and everything in it 
is symbolic. So when you're looking at it and you're just kind of dissecting, you go through any of your favorite parables, everything in the parable is symbolic. Everything. You can match it to something and you can find meaning in it because that's, that, that was how God wanted to teach us. He wanted us to be able to have something that we can make something new every single time if we just keep asking the question, why? Why was that person there? Why did that person ask that question to Jesus? What was going on with that person? Why did this happen? Who was this? You know, all these different questions. Those are good questions to ask. You know, so what was Jesus getting at with the disciples? What was he doing? All right, so the disciples are sitting there, and he gives them this parable, and he talks to them. Why? How many of us have heard a lesson or have studied the undeserved pay or the workers in the vineyard parable out? How many of us have done that? So we all know the story. Most of us know the story here. And so I ask myself this question because I know that a lot of people have heard this story before. I'm like, people have heard this all, all the time, so let's just go through a Bible study. Let's just kind of go through this and figure it out. Why? The first thing you've got to do is you've got to look around. You know, for me, I graduated from Cal State Dominguez Hills and, uh, with a, a, a degree in history. Okay, I got my B.A. in history um, with the emphasis on ancient civilization. Okay, and it was, I, I just loved it. I loved going to school. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. When you go to college, you've you got to love it. If you don't love it, you're, you, just, you might not finish. You know, and so uh, you, just, you just get discouraged and you try to find another way out, you know, do something different. Like, oh, I can make money doing this or, you know, and, and, you know, these pyramid schemes and stuff like that. That's what college is all about. People just, you know, do these pyramid schemes and say, you can make a lot of money. You can make millions if you do this. And it's like, not really. You've you got to do it. <laughs> You've got to finish school. And so I, I was a history major, and I loved going through, like, just different stories in history and looking around and just, it was almost like putting you, like the teachers, they would help you put yourself in the middle of a battle or in the middle of an important decision that changed the course of history. And you just look around. And you're sitting there, and it's almost like you're in this 3D vault where you're just looking around and you're seeing things and go, well, you see, you know, people getting, you know, stuff is happening, and you're like, whoa, like, this is crazy. When you're reading, that, in, in my mind, that's what happens. You know, I don't know about, for you, maybe you just see, like, this is boring. But for me, I'm in history, I'm in the middle of this, this giant, like, world of what's going on. This is so cool. Wow, that's, that's, that's George Washington. That's the Delaware, you know, I'm just looking around, and, and that's me in my mind. I love it. I do the same thing with the Bible. I mean, for me, in my quiet times, I love just sitting there and just, like, reading, the, reading a passage and then just meditating on it, just thinking about it, putting myself in that and just being able to be one of the guys. I'm, I'm dressed up like the guys in the, in the Bible, too. Like, I got my robe on, and I'm there, and I'm like, what's going on? Hey, hey, you see what's happening? And, you know, someone's answering me in the scriptures. I'm like, yeah, 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 that's crazy, you know. I'm kind of just having so much fun with, with my times with God, you know. God takes me on this, this amazing adventure. And so when I was studying this out, I looked around and I'm like, okay, well, this, the, the, the passage beforehand kind of sheds a lot, a lot of light on why Jesus would probably preach this passage. Okay, he's talking about, let the children come to me. What good thing must I do when he, when he encounters a rich young ruler? And he also speaks upon divorce. Okay, and so we're kind of looking at I look at that, and these are all different teachings that he taught different people. He taught the Pharisees about divorce. He taught the disciples about grace and about loving and being gentle and tender. And even about the role of children in the kingdom of God. And then he teaches the rich young ruler. This guy who walked up to him and just says, hey, what do I need to do? What good thing must I do? And so I sit myself, I'm kind of like one of the guys in the crowd. Large crowds was following with him. You got me in the middle, walking around. 
I'm kind of just walking, okay, well, he's talking to the Pharisees. What's going on? Why did, he, why did Jesus ask that question? What's going on with Jesus? And I'm asking these questions, going along in, in the passage, in the study. Are you guys excited? Do you guys want to go along with me in this journey? Okay, so sometimes, I mean, you just, you just got to open your mind to an imagination. You got to be, you just got to have an imagination with it, and you will go on a complete journey with me, okay? If you don't go, if you don't have an imagination, or if you, you're kind of like, ah, you're still sleepy, it, it may not work, okay? But let's go on a ride, you know? Let's go on a journey through this study. Okay, so the children. Whenever you're looking around, you're doing these things, you've got to know what each character does so you can have an accurate picture of what's going on. Okay, so you've got these children. Okay, the disciples rebuke them for trying to get to know Jesus. Now think about this. Think about what's going on here. You've got the children, they come up and they're like, hey Jesus, what's going on? And, and then all of a sudden you've got this 12, these 12 guys, this gang of dudes, just walk up and say, what are you doing? Whoa, stop there, little kids. How many of you guys have ever taken your kids to go see Santa Claus in the mall? Or you, as a kid, has gone, gone and seen Santa, Santa Claus, or you've, been in, you, you've encountered it somehow? So imagine Santa Claus has 12 people in his entourage roll up on you as a kid, and you're trying to go and say, Hey, what's up, Santa Claus? And, and they're like, Whoa! What are you doing? He's holy! You were playing in the dirt. I saw you, Johnny. You know, you're, you're, you got this kind of like thing going on, and, and they're just rebuking him. It says, it says it there, it says in, in, in Matthew 19, that the children get rebuked by Jesus, but not Jesus, but by the disciples. They're rebuking little children. I mean, these guys are, these guys are bold, and I mean, they're not the sharpest of men, but, you know, they're, they're the guys Jesus, Jesus picked. Okay? And so what happens here is that you keep going along, and you have Jesus, and he gave the same, if not more, attention to these little children. Okay? So, he, so what Jesus does, he stops and says, hey, stop. What are you guys doing? Calm down, Peter. Put down the sword. He says, hey, look. Do not hinder them from coming to me. Let them come to me. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And he gives the children, they may not even understand what's going on in that moment. They may just feel protected, feel loved, and feel like, yeah, yeah, Jesus is cool. He's a cool guy. I mean, like, this is the superhero of the day. Everyone, all these kids, they already heard about the healings that he's done and all the things that that he does. And he walks on water. And, you know, these little children, they're like, whoa. When they see Jesus, their eyes are wide open. They're like, whoa. And you see this pack of kids running towards Jesus. What What about the disciples in that moment when Jesus corrects them? And he says, hey, what are you guys doing? Let them come to me. What are the emotions of, it, of the disciples? Now, I don't know what the emotions of Peter are. It doesn't, it doesn't record that, but I can only speculate. You know, in history and in other sciences and other different fields, you can speculate. And it kind of gives you an idea. I mean, I put myself in their shoes. How would I feel if I was, I was sold out? I was like, man, you know what? Yeah, these kids going to run up on Jesus. I got Jesus. Let's go. What are you doing? Time out. You know, you're tackling kids or whatever you're doing. You know, you're doing the craziest of stuff. I would feel, like, embarrassed. I would feel a lot of stuff. I would feel jealousy because you got Jesus, and, and, and this is my home. This is my friend for, like, years and years, and, and we're hanging out, and he's supposed to be my teacher and my, one of my best friends, and, you know, he's a cool guy, and all of a sudden he tells me that I did something wrong. Like, all I was doing was trying to protect him. And these kids, he just met them, and he's paying more attention to them than he is to me. I can feel confused. Like, why? why? Well, why is Jesus... Pay more attention to them, or why is Jesus more 
connected with them? Or why does he say that they get the kingdom of God? I mean, I've been working so hard for it. What about me? He never said that to me. He never said that the kingdom of God belongs to me. I would feel anger. Are you serious? I was just trying to protect you. What's going on? Why are you getting mad at me? Bitterness. Maybe, maybe some of them didn't speak up and they just kind of felt like, you know what, forget this. Self-righteous. Hurt. Resentment. Some pride there. There are a lot of things that could have gone on just with that one situation. And you got the disciples and they kind of all kind of feeling like, we just messed up. We messed up big time. You guys ever felt that before? You guys ever relate where you guys felt like you, you, you thought you knew what you were doing was right, but all of a sudden it was like completely wrong. And it was kind of embarrassingly wrong. It was like, oh, whoa, what was I thinking? You know, just put yourself back in those shoes of the disciples. They're looking around. There's the gang going on, all right? And so they're like sitting here and they're, they're, they're feeling all this different stuff. Let's... um. Let's keep moving, though. I'm going to come back to this. The rich young ruler. You know, the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, 21, this guy, he runs up to Jesus, and I don't, I don't really see him being the same as the children or, like, having the same excitement. I see him more of trying to justify himself. He's trying to get validation from Jesus. He wants something from Jesus. He's going, and he, you know, so I'm, I'm thinking of him being, like, the cool guy. He's rich. He's wealthy probably well learned. He's looking at the disciples and like, look at these guys. Rebuking kids. Weird. You know, kind of like poking fun at them. He, run, he walks up to Jesus and he just says, good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus kind of tells him like, man, you know what? Well, you got you, you to obey the commands. Do not steal. Do not murder. Do not do all these things. Do not commit adultery. And he's sitting there, and as Jesus is listing these things off, he's kind of feeling like, whoa, I've done all that. That's me. You just read my mind, or you know my past, or, you know, and he's kind of like, yeah, that is who I am. That's right. I've done all those things, man, since I was a boy. Are you saying I was eternal life since I was a kid? That's what I'm talking about. I like this guy. And he says that to Jesus, and Jesus says, okay. In verse 21, Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He gets one challenge, one challenge from Jesus, and he wilts like a flower. He's gone. If he went with the same heart that the children went to, or if he came with a heart of wanting to really know Jesus, do you think one challenge would have changed the way that he felt? Not really. Not if he came with the heart. So we got all these characters running around. You got the kids coming in. You got the Pharisees marching around with their with their giant robes and stuff going on, and you got all this stuff happening. Jesus is all here, and he's seeing it. He's seeing that his disciples might be just discouraged. He's seen that the rich young ruler is here and he's walking away and he has great wealth. And even after this right here, this passage, you got the disciples, I mean, you got Peter, he actually speaks up a little bit. I'm turning your Bibles to Matthew 19, verse 27. Okay. 
In verse 27, it says, Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields, for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. So Peter here, he's kind of, he's seeing what's going on and he's kind of taking note. He's looking around and he's thinking, huh, you know what, Jesus, I, I gave up a lot for you already. I've done a lot. I've done, I, I felt like I've done a lot. I mean, come on, Jesus. And they're kind of figuring out, they're asking questions and they're trying to figure out, can I still follow Jesus with these challenges? And, th- and it's kind of tough for them. Peter is here and he's asking Jesus, he's talking to Jesus, he says, you know, we have left everything to follow you. What then will be there for us? So he, he wants to know something. He wants to know, okay, I'm following you. What's in it for me? What is in it for me? What's going on? And so I feel like a parable sometimes can even crystallize a situation and allow us to kind of take out and put ourselves in it. So the people in the parables, you take them out and you put yourself in it because Jesus is seeing what's going on. He sees the Pharisees over here with their self-righteousness. You see the, the undeserving, I mean, the, uh, the, the, uh, what's the, the, the rich young ruler. And you see him come up to Jesus, and, 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 and he's talking, and he's doing all different stuff, and, and he's been righteous. He's been really pursuing God his whole life, self-righteously. You've got the disciples, you've got the children, you've got all these different situations going on. And then Jesus thinks, and he's like, you know, what would be the best way to crystallize this moment for the people in the future. I know. I'll give them this parable. I'll give them exactly what they need. And so then Jesus begins this parable. So think about this parable. Think about looking at this parable with those lenses, with those eyes. Think about what's going on here. Alright? You look into the parable. You look after and you're seeing these different things and and after really realizing that this is what this this is what Jesus may have been talking about, then go through and read the parable. That's what we're going to do right now. All right. I'm sorry. Matthew 20, verse 1 through 16. Let's go. It reads in verse 1, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and set them into a vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. So they went. He went out again about noon and about third in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. 
he asked them, Why have you been standing here all, all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came and went hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. Stop in here. I mean, just think about being that one worker that worked one hour. And the denarius was basically the standard pay for a day's labor. Okay, so you work one, one hour and you get a day's amount of labor in that one hour paid to you. Okay? And so they start grumbling. You got guys who are like, what's going on? Like, wait a second. I didn't get what he got. Like, wait, we didn't get the same thing here. What's going on? And immediately, their minds work on what's fair and what's not fair. What is fair? What's not fair? It's not fair that they are getting paid more than me. Or are they? Are they really getting paid more than that? No. But, well, if they're getting paid that much, by the hour, then you should pay me like 12 or 12 denarius because I paid, I've worked 12 hours and you know, they're trying to like calculate what's right and what's correct. And in our minds as disciples, this can be us, right? That can be who we are. We can try to work, try to figure out, okay, well, what's right? What's going on? Why didn't I get what that person got? I did the exact same work. Why couldn't I be blessed like that person and get the same exact blessings that they got? Or we try to work it in reverse. Well, they got this by doing this. So if A plus B equals C, all I got to do is A plug B in and I got C. Right? We can think about that with, with the, way that we, the way we get our jobs, how things go in our life, how things go in our schools. We can think about what's fair and what's not fair. And very early on, I, I, I just developed this, this, this mindset of it doesn't really matter what's fair. Whatever happens is going to happen, and I need to be able to adjust to that. I need to be able to adjust. So what if someone got an A and I felt like their paper was not as good as mine? I put the same amount of hours, put the same work into it, and, and I, what, the teacher got something against me. You know, all of us have felt that, right? That, that professor has it out for me. I know it. I just know it. It's, it's right here. I just can feel it. Something is wrong with that professor. Or even your boss. My boss just doesn't like me. They hate me. And we can, we can be strong about that. We can feel very strong about things that aren't fair. Instead of considering it as a gift from God. To test us. To help us. To sharpen us. These are gifts from God. In verse 13. Let's continue. I kind of feel a lot behind here on my slides. All right, verse 13 says, But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for Denarius? Take your pay and go. I mean, for me, if somebody started grumbling and started talking all this, like, well, you know what? How about I take that and you can go on out your way. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how I felt when I'm like, I'm like, whoa, what's going on? You know, you can just go on about your business. You can do your thing. Or how about, you know what? 
take this pay, don't come back. Or who are you telling me? And, but here, here goes the landowner being very gracious, being very loving, still calling him friend. Calling these, he singled out one of them, called him friend. He says, didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. And so this, this parable is speaking valiance to just what just happened. Okay? I mean, think about the kids who, who were just given the kingdom of God. Thinking about the, the, the worker who's worked all of I mean, the, the, the rich young ruler who's worked all of his life. Saying, man, I'm like, I'm here. I should, I should be, I should get a little bit more than that. I shouldn't have to do this. I shouldn't have to sacrifice this much to get what these guys are getting. Your, your little disciple guys, your gang who are rebuking kids, I shouldn't have to work, you know, I, I've already been doing this. They just picked this up a couple years ago. What's going on? This unfairness. This, I, I, I'm looking for something more. You can find each and one of these characters in this parable. You can find the Pharisees. We're there that they're trying to trap Jesus and, and, and asking him all these questions about Moses and divorce and the law. Like Moses giving the people, you know, the saying that, that, hey, the people can divorce their wives and give them a certificate and send them about their way. And Jesus saying, you know what? Whatever happened in the very beginning, that's what you should follow. And so you see these things start to come together. And I read this and it just kind of blew my mind. I was just kind of like, whoa, this is crazy. And so then I went back onto my little journey, and I'm like, okay, so this is what really happened. All right, so I'm putting it in my mind. I'm like, okay, so, so basically we're walking. You know, Pharisees come. Jesus gets them. Bam. You know, the children come. The disciples rebuke the children. And, and then, then Jesus accepts them. Bam. That's another thing that happens. And then you've got this whole thing that goes on. And, um, you know, the, the rich young ruler rolls up, and, and he talks to him, and, and bam, that happens. And then Jesus gives this parable. Whoa. He's talking to everyone. And he gives it in such a way to where we, 2,000 years later, we can relate, right? We can definitely relate to what's going on in this passage. And then uh, it reminded me of a verse, uh, Isaiah 55, verse 8. And it said, you know what? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Okay? And simply, I mean, I'm just thinking, okay, well, wow, like, God is really, like, bringing what he already has preached on right here in this parable. He's talking to them, and he's telling them, hey, look, this is what the law is. The law is what I believe is what's right. And that's God. And, and you know, I was, telling, I was talking to a guy in my kids' ministry, and I was telling him, I was like, you know what? God should be able to come, be able to come in to your mind Come into your thoughts. You should be able to read scriptures and see things. And, God should, and then the, the word of God should come in and be able to just punk anything that's going on in your mind. You feel like you're right. The word of God comes in and says, no, you're not. You're like, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's right, God. You know what I'm saying? It should be able to just bully your pride. And we got to accept that. We've got to be willing and ready to do this at any given time. I asked that brother, I said, you know what? I was like, I really want to be able to help. I want to be able to, to help you grow closer to God. But you've got to be able to be willing to allow for it, not your thoughts to be the same thoughts that you're equating with God's thoughts. Because you're not equal to God. You're not equal to Jesus. 
He allows himself to be equal. That's what Jesus did. He leveled himself. He lowered himself, allowing himself to be, to be death, even death on a cross for us. And so when you think about these things and you go through that, and you're just kind of like putting things together. It's like, wow, like, simply, the Lord looks at things differently. He doesn't have the same eyes that we have. All, every single person in this room, teens included, you have a situation in your life that you feel like something isn't fair. Something isn't right. Why is that? What, what's going on here? And we can kind of act like kids. You know, I work with kids and from, from K to 8 and, you know, the, from the, the third to fifth graders, you know, you, you start to get a lot more character development, a lot more. Like they, start, they start choosing good from evil. They're like, okay, I'm about to do this. and Don't touch that. Don't, don't touch it. They kind of start smiling at you. You know, they start developing things and, and they can feel that. They can do that same thing. Where it's like, you know what, honestly, why is what you say is right and what I say isn't right? Our culture, America, today, that's what it's all about. Rebelling, being rebellious, being against God and His Word, and being against whoever has authority. No one has authority but me. I'm taking, a, I'm taking control over my life. And there are so many instances in history that were, it, it, this led to that. Right? You got um, different, different, um, different people having different right organizations and saying, like, this isn't right. This isn't what's right. You know, the civil rights um, whole thing and that whole age of, of uh, what's right and what's wrong. You got women's rights. And no one's going to be, you know, and, and you can, if you hear any of these people talk, it's the same way we can talk about God. As if God made us slaves or something. But in reality, God wants us to be slaves to righteousness, right? Jesus preached this very, very frequently. I want you to be a slave to righteousness. I want you to be, to be what's right from the scriptures. Not from what's right from what's in your mind. Are you guys with me? And so, just even thinking about these things, what are, what are some ways that we in ourselves... Can, um, I wanted to do this bullet by bullet, but it just shows up. But Okay, so we're going we're gonna to look at three things, all right? Three ways, uh, three questions you can ask yourself. Is there a place where you feel like it is a struggle to see good things happen to people who may not work as hard as you? All right? So good things happen. Someone, someone may get the, uh, you know, in high school, someone may get the honor roll. You know, at your at, at job, someone may get the uh, the raise that you really wanted, or you feel like you really need it. In college, you feel like, man, I, I just really wanted to to be able to, to to take that day off without getting marked down in my class, but that person did. This isn't right. Something just isn't right about this world. And you're correct in your thinking. Something isn't right about this world. But what are you going to make of it? What's going to be different about your heart when you approach the situations? Are we going to feel like, man, like I needed that? Well, this person got a denarius and, and this person got a denarius and, and, and they worked less than I did. And I thought of different situations why the landowner would have given that person a denarius and they only worked one hour. Well, maybe he knew his life situation. Maybe he knew the guy needed to feed way more kids than that guy. 
Maybe, that, maybe he knew that that guy was trying to get through school. Or maybe he knew that that guy needed something different so he can keep back working and, and being a good, a good worker in the fields. You know, I don't have to tell you guys what everything meant. We all know that the, uh, the workers in the field, that's those who hear the word of God, who hear the word of God and they call and, and they come and they say, you know, I want to work in this field. We know the vineyard is the kingdom of God. We do work, we do things, we, help, we, do, we go over here and we do that, and we're, we're all over the place. The landowner himself is, of course, God. And the pay, the pay is eternal life. We all know this, right? Looking at that, you can put that together two and two. And sometimes in our hearts as disciples, I mean, maybe not your heart, but maybe only my heart. I'm going to be vulnerable. My heart, I can definitely feel like I work really hard. This person doesn't work really hard. How is that person a disciple? It's just being real. I, I can honestly feel that way. And this study helped my heart tremendously. Because I can feel like, well, you know, I go to, I go to midweeks and I go to, I go to Friday devotionals. I go to Sunday service and, and I'm there and I've been here since the beginning and, and I'm there and I'm doing this and, and why am I getting the same as that person? Why? What's going on? Why are they able to get into the same place I'm able to get into? And I want to pull that trump card. Like, this is what I need. I need more, God. And if that's not enough, you know, I'm just, I just want to walk away. I tussle with these thoughts and I, I, I tussle with these feelings a lot. But it's the Word of God that corrects me and it punks me every time. You know, I'm sitting there and I, I don't read the Bible. I'm like, yeah, I start ranting off and I start, you know, talking to God. I go to the ocean and I go, I start preaching. I'm like, God! Why have you forsaken me? You know, all of us, we kind of can feel that sometimes where it's like, ah. But God is like, you know what? No, be, be content with what you got. You know what? You don't even deserve eternal life, Greg. What are you doing? You think you deserve what I'm paying you? The work you did was nothing compared to the work that needs to be done. And I'm like, oh, I'm grateful now. I'm really grateful. <laughs> Thanks, God. You know, and your, and your mindset just changes. If you allow it to change, if you allow yourself to go and to say, okay, you know what, God, this is what I want for my life. Is there any bitterness that has taken root in your life because you felt like you deserved more? Do you struggle with unrighteous thoughts about how God does things? You know what, God, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't do that for me. You gave that to that brother or that sister. And we can feel this and this can, can create animosity between us, Right? Between the fellowship of believers, we can kind of feel like, well, why is that person, or why is that ministry, or why is that, well, why are those people, or what's going on over there? And, and God, what's going on? Why aren't you moving like you're supposed to? You need God. What's going on? You talk about being lazy. Come on, God. What's up? And we can get so self-righteous, and we can make God's thoughts our thoughts. Well, I just feel like God wants that, you know, this, that, and the other. It's like, well, you know what? You don't know. We don't know. That's why we have to stay in the Bible. We've got to stay deeply rooted in the Scriptures. We've got to continue to do the work, and we've got to be content. Contentness is the key. Contentment is the key. So, if you're struggling with these things, or if you need some help, or like me, what I did, or what I do, is I get open. There is so much power in such a simple thing. You know, I mean, how many of you guys in this room have been in Christians for over 20 years? I haven't. Okay, over 20 years. How about over 10 years? 
Okay, over five years? Definitely a lot of us. And the rest of us. You know, we go year by year, 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 year after year, year after year. Me personally, I was baptized in 2007, okay, as a teen, 16 years old, all right? And this concept was introduced to me at 16. And whenever I stray from this simple concept, I go deeper into the dark. I go deeper into the, the, the spiral of sin. I get darker. My heart gets harder. People talk to me. They say things to me. And I'm like, whatever. Who are you? You ain't nobody. And that's who I can kind of be. What about you? Have you abandoned the concept of getting open? Simply talking about your sins. And we can kind of feel like, well, I don't want to talk about my sins because, you know, this kind of, we can have our, our own reasoning behind why we don't want to talk about our sins. But we've got to level ourselves. We've got to allow ourselves to think like God thinks and say, you know what, every single person... It says in the Bible that everyone will be leveled at the foot of the cross. All of us. I'm a, it's only one sinner helping another sinner in here. That's it. There is nothing else in here. There's not an over-righteous person that's helping a, a lowly peasant person who needs some help. No, it's not, it's not that. But we can think that some way. We can, we can kind of put the dividers between people. And we can say, well, you know, that person, they just don't even struggle. I dare you, whenever you think that, to ask somebody that, that you feel that way about and ask them what are their struggles. And they'll go off on this list like, man, my struggles, man. Ah, you don't know my struggles. You don't know my life. You know, we can go on this long path. Number two, you can pray about these, these thoughts and get in touch with what you, what you yourself don't deserve. You've got to get in touch with what you don't deserve. As a, as a disciple or if you're visiting with us, you've got to understand that there are things that you do not deserve in life. And to help you with that, you know, you write out a list of 50 things you just don't deserve. The list goes, I was going to say write 100 or 200 or 400 or 600 or 900 or 2,000 or, you know, a million things you don't deserve. You know, but 50 things, I mean, you, it, it gets the heart kind of jogging like, Man, I don't deserve a lot of stuff. Who am I to be self-righteous? Who am I to be righteous about? God gives me a lot. Even to those who don't have very much, who you feel like you don't have very much, there are certain things that are going to be on that list that outweigh everything else, like eternal life, like a place in heaven. It's going to outweigh a lot of other things. We've got to believe that. You've got to have the faith. And this faith that you have is going to be passed down to the children. And they're going to pass it down to their children. And that faith, that very same faith, is going to keep being passed down generation to generation. I think of it as a history major. I think back. I'm like, man, what are people going to think of us 2,000 years from now? I mean, some of us may have a little highlight, like in this person, and they saw Jesus. Or, you know, that person, they were with Brian when he was singing that one song. And, you know, you know all these different things, they're gonna, they're gonna, what are they going to say about us as a church, as a movement? What are they going to say? Are they going to say that they were faithful to the very end? That, that, or is, it, is it going to be said, is it going to be preached that they were faithful? That they loved God? That they got open about their sins and they did not abandon certain scriptures, but they obeyed the entire Bible in its entirety? 
Can someone be an ancient, I mean, like, they, they can have descent, like, they, they'll be the descendant, and you be their ancient great, 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 great grandfather, great grandfather, or grandmother. Are you going to be that person? That man, my great, 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 three, three minutes later, great, 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 you know, they were faithful to God. They loved God. They had struggles. I know it because, man, I, I, I see what was written about them. Because you are not going to be, to be verbally t- given a testimony about your life. People are going to remember it, and they're going to give it as they, as they remember it. It may be fair, it may be unfair, but the way you live will be remembered. And so what I want to do, I'm sorry. Um, so what I want to do before I close it out, um, I kind of just want to, to get us thinking a little bit about communion, about Jesus. And how we as disciples, or we as people, we don't deserve what Jesus did for us. And I want to show a little video, and this video kind of illustrates and kind of connects the dots of what happened and what's going on. And so I kind of want you guys to enjoy this video. I'm going to say a quick prayer for communion, and then I'm going to turn the video on, and then you can meditate and take communion. Amen? Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for what you have given us. God, I pray that all of us can find it in our heart to be extremely grateful for you. We know that gratitude is the indispensable attitude. That without it, God, that the church is not the church. Being a disciple is not a disciple without being grateful for what you've done for us. God, we want to thank you for your son and him spilling all this blood for us, covering over our sins and allowing us to be counted amongst his relatives, his brothers and sisters, as he calls us. Lord, we thank you so much for dying for us on the cross. I pray that as we take communion that we can meditate and we can think about how much we really do deserve and what we really do deserve. Because what we deserve is death. Thank you so much, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Excuse me, son. Yeah? What have you got there? Got, got some birds, some wild birds. Really? Yeah. Where'd you get them? Got them in the field over there. There's a field with wild birds. Huh. Yeah. Well, if you don't mind my asking, what are you going to do with them? I want to play games with them. Games? Yeah, I can play games with wild birds, yeah. What kind of games? Um, sometimes I like to poke a stick in there, you know, and they'll be like going, caw, 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 like that, you know? And then sometimes I like to rattle up the cage, and they think it's an earthquake, and they love that. What happens to them after you're done playing games with them? Mm, usually I feed them my cat. Yeah, my cat likes wild birds. i tell you what. I am fond of wild birds. You are? Yeah. Let me buy them from you. You want to buy my wild birds? Yeah. Or no good for nothing. They can't do no tricks or nothing. And when you open this gate, they're just going to fly away. How much? You're serious? I'm very serious. Five dollars. All right. Ten dollars. Okay. Twenty dollars. They're wild birds. They're exotic birds. You found them in a field. An exotic field. All right. That's all I got.
see you looking at the cage. Yeah. What do you got in there? You know what's in there. Mankind. Found him in the garden. Funny thing is, they put themselves in that cage. I had nothing to do with it. So what's your plans with them? I'm gonna play games with them. Games. What kind of games? All kinds of games. I'm gonna put games into their life that they think is gonna bring them so much pleasure. Then I'm gonna turn the world upside down. I'm gonna make right seem wrong and wrong seem right. And then? They'll be damned for all eternity. My father and I, we're very fond of mankind. I know. We want them to have access to us. So, I'm going to pay for their freedom. You want these humans? Yeah. You know they promised you everything before. They're going to turn their backs on you. Some will, and some won't. You're serious. Oh, I'm very serious. It'll cost you your tears. I know. Your blood. Yeah. It'll cost you your life. I know. You're willing to give your life. I'm willing to give what it takes. This reminds us about what Jesus did for us on the cross. He picked up that wooden cross and carried it to Mount Calvary because he loved you.